My guest today is Ryan Holiday, also known as Zen That Beat. Ryan is an international performer who has released over 20 music albums, scores for movies, and has written his own musical. This episode is very much about the creative process, about the societal norms that we release as we step into our inner artistry and creativity and the healers that we are through sharing our essence with the world. Ryan shares about his process of creating music, how consistency has played a key role in him continuing to show up and share music on Spotify and other platforms, why he chose to make his music royalty-free, what rock bottom led him to creating yoga playlists, epic yoga playlists, if I do say so myself, and the childlike wonder that is infused in everything that he does. We also dive into a little bit of a social media brainstorm towards the end. And whether you are a musician, an entrepreneur, creative of another kind, or a healer, this episode is for you. I hope that you find a remembering and a reminder to follow what feels true within and to share your heart with the world generously. I personally found Ryan through, well, actually, let's get into that story on the episode. If you enjoy his music, I encourage you to find Zen That Beat on Spotify. And if you like it, maybe use it for your next Instagram reel as well. Here's Ryan Holiday, also known as Zen That Beat. I'm so excited to share with you that my number one podcasting tool since day one of this podcast, Zencaster, is sponsoring this episode. Check out the link in the show notes and stay tuned for why I love using it for the podcast. Ryan, welcome to my podcast. I am so excited to connect with you because your song, I Am The Light, has been playing over and over and over in my head nonstop. And I remember as soon as I discovered that song through my Spotify Discover playlist. And so I ended up on your website and I ended up putting on some playlists and listening to them for probably at least seven hours while I was cooking that night. And on your site, you say, I am a conduit. I do my job right and hope that students and teachers have a transcendent experience in their practice. And that was my experience. I was so moved. I felt so seen and I felt so alive. And I just had this desire awake of knowing who is this being creating these beats, these sounds, these moving experiences. So thank you for doing what you do. And I would love you to speak a little bit to this experience for you on the other side of being that conduit? What is that process like? And when did you start seeing it that way? Well, first of all, thank you. I'm smiling. And then I'm also kind of embarrassed because <laughs> I can't take compliments. So thank you very much for your kind words. Um, I've been doing music for, well, most of my life. And I've only come to the, the yoga community over the last four years because of uh, basically one of my good good friends Cheryl she's uh, she's a yoga teacher and she was looking for music for her yoga class and she's like I'm bored of my music you know I said I'll, I'll write you something 
uh, and I wasn't sure what I was going to do for her. And a quick backstory to that was I just gotten out of a divorce. I had released an album on a small record label in Germany that tanked. I went out and tried to book myself a tour in, in Europe and those didn't go well. I was like, I hit rock bottom. I just really didn't know where I was going to go next because part of that thought was, well, maybe I should just give up on doing music, period. You know, that was really one of the thoughts I had. So when Cheryl uh, reached out to me and I was like, well, I got nothing else to do. So I ended up, you know, because I didn't know. I, I mean, yes, I've been to yoga classes and I didn't really know what I was doing. And so instead of just writing her a song, I, I wrote her an entire album in like a month, you know. And the first thing that happened while I was writing the album, which included I'm the Light. So, you know, <laughs> it's the first thing, one of the first things I ever wrote. So I, I was sitting there uh, just compiling these these songs and these sounds. I was taking my own self out of it for the very, very first time in my life. I was like, yes, this is this is music that comes from me and all my experience and uh, preferential influences just come through me. But I'm utilizing it for something that I, I had no idea about. And so what ended up happening was just kind of a, a little bit of stroke of like luck or like the universe coming together at that moment. Because what I do musically or have always done musically, I've always been about atmosphere and texture and uh, setting the right mood. I just never had the right platform to do it. And yoga, yoga, that, that community, meditation community um, started me down a different path. It was the first time life started making sense to me because I spent years and years and years trying to appease critics, trying to, trying to appease record labels, trying to appease audiences. The whole idea was I make music, so you have to love me for that. And trying to get recognition where at this point I just had nothing to lose. And I was just like, well, and the constraints of music for yoga or for a yoga class, I was like, well, I'm going to put together this hour long thing that you can just press play and you won't have to do anything. Those constraints were constraints I needed. You know how a, a yoga class is usually shaped like a bell curve. You know, you get the warm up and the, you get the heartbeat up and then you kind of start coming down a little bit, go, go up a little. And then you have that sort of the end part that slides down into savasana, right? So I just basically took that structure and wrote the whole album around it. It's the type of constraint that I needed to be able to stay focused. And then also, you know, chord progressions. I was very much into, uh, for, for the longest time, into dark and depressing music to keep the chord progressions in a way that doesn't drag you down. And so those constraints were, were something I needed to really be able to, um, 
to then allow my own creativity to come in. So that's how I felt I became a conduit. This is my gift. And now I can, given the parameters, I could actually make something really good. And to be honest, probably the most satisfying time in my life it was to, oh, there goes the tail. <laughs> There's the most satisfying time in my life. For the first time in my life, I, I was just like, ah, okay, things make sense. My life is making sense again. And that was also the first time uh, things started to, to happen in a, in a natural or organic way. Then like, Instagram kind of started taking off and um, my Spotify started taking off off of that. And it just was like, okay, this is this is where I need to be. There's uh, so many nuggets I'm excited to get into. So one of the things that you said is when you got this task of writing music for yoga, which by the way, you have so many playlists on your site and they're all royalty free, which means that any yoga teacher anywhere around the world can download them and play in their class, right? Yes. Yes. Which is very different for the industry. I've not seen anyone else do that. Me and a couple of musician friends had decided that it doesn't make sense to play by the same rules that the rest of the industry plays because it constrains us. And we know that usually uh, yogis don't want to get fined, especially if they're in Europe. And we thought the win-loss on, on something like that, somebody taking it and maybe playing it on a video without consent would be so small versus teachers being able to fully enjoy it. And we thought, well, it just doesn't make any sense to bring um, licensing people into it. I've been on the receiving end of being fined or I've never actually paid, but I've gotten those emails from copyright lawsuit companies saying, hey, you reposted this image on Instagram and it actually belongs to this photographer. You owe us 3,000 euros. And that photo had been reposted everywhere on Pinterest on every Instagram account. And to me, it just didn't make sense. And I think in a lot of times, the energy with which that whole thing happens is even out of alignment with the creator, you're almost taking away people's ability to be moved by your work when you add that element to it. And yes, of course, there's ways to be smart about our work and protect copyright, you know, things like that. But sometimes it crosses the line. And I just really love that you intentionally with your group of peers came up with this decision to do things differently. So thank you, sir. <laughs> well, I think, and I do understand that, you know, we all do um, work uh, and we want to get paid. But I also know that, for instance, uh, yogis, you know, they don't make a whole lot of money. And I know so many of them who teach in five different studios and just barely making ends meet. It doesn't make sense. I'd rather have them have the music played in a class. And then tell people about who I am. That makes more sense to me. Now, usually what, what usually happens if I let people have the music for free on YouTube or even, even download the playlist, a lot of them just wind up on Spotify anyway. And so when they stream it, that's when I get paid. It doesn't make sense to just be a hard, 
hard ass about all of it. I think musicians at the level that we are now, it'd be a different story if I was like a, a star, you know. But at the level that we, it doesn't make sense to put all these uh, constraints on this and punish people for, for using your music. So how do you see this decision reflecting on your ability to monetize what you put out there? I think in the end, I monetize through all the streaming and it's, you know, it's, it's growing. I'm monetizing through YouTube, which I do put ads in the playlist because um, otherwise I wouldn't be able to make any money. And it's, there are some occasional complaints, you know, it's like, well, I put this on and there's an ad 20 minutes into it. So, well, you can go to my website and download it. Yes, I do charge a $20 fee or something for, for that, but it's just, that's just 20 bucks. You can keep it forever, you know? And it's such a better direct way to support an artist than having to watch YouTube ads. Right. And the other, the other thing is, and I haven't done this for all the videos yet, I will then create the playlist on Spotify. So if they want to click through on Spotify and use it there, they can do it. That's fine. So then whenever I create a new playlist, then, then I will create the Spotify playlist to go along with it. And uh, actually, the other day, I got a contract from Nike for I'm the Light. Wow. You know, so, so that, that's pretty cool. We'll see where that... Congratulations. Uh, tell us the story. How did that come about? That is incredible. I think um, they were looking for music for a project that it's launching next month. And uh, they approached me, and I it was like in September. And I was like, yeah, that's fine. And then I didn't hear from them until a couple of days ago. And they was like, here's the contract. <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay, I guess this is happening now. And it, some kind of workout thing. And uh, P13, I think it's named. Um, and then... They th I think what's going to happen is they're going to they're going to add the song to a lot of playlists, and that that's going to be kind of cool for me to see. That sounds like an incredible mechanism for people to discover you and hop over to your Spotify. Yeah, hopefully we'll see. I mean, I mean, I don't. It's funny with these things. I don't know what's going to happen after that, but you know, it's kind of cool to say, "Oh, Nike picked up my song." <laughs> it's an interesting balance between those external metrics of validation and the internal feeling and something you said when you were sharing about the story of how you started making music for yoga is you finally felt like you're doing something that makes sense something along those lines so it sounds like the internal feeling is there it's like this arriving this recognition this coming home what about external things how much attention do you pay to number of downloads and things like that, how much do they guide you versus what is calling you to be created from within? Because uh, my income is based off of some of these metrics, I do pay attention to them. I also pay attention to it. It's like, okay, what do people actually like of mine? Still, I still feel like it gives me license to create and try different things out because this is a different way of doing things. You know, as before, I've released something like 20 something albums in my life. So, you know, under different projects and different ways to do it, this is a different way to go about releasing music because it's basically 
you write something, you put it out there and see if it sticks. Usually you would go through a process of writing a bunch of songs, putting together an album, announcing the album, releasing it, and hopefully, hopefully people like it. This is more like, okay, the um, Spotify algorithm and the YouTube algorithm is always like, feed me, feed me. So if you don't feed it, you run the risk of just being forgotten by the algorithm. So, so you're constantly writing. So it just becomes a little bit more of a, um, I like call, to call it the, the Stephen King uh, you know, way of writing novels is to write every day. And so it becomes a muscle in that sense that you're constantly using it. You're constantly trying different things out, but at the same time going like, okay, this is what has worked before. This is, here are a couple songs that nobody likes, <laughs> you know, so I won't be doing that again. So it's a, it's a little bit of a balance. I remember when I first started my podcast, it seemed like solving a tech puzzle. But I've been using Zencaster since day one, and honestly, it's made it so easy. It provides crystal clear sound and gorgeous HD video. What I love about it is that it records separate audio and video tracks for me and my guests, so the editing process is super customized. Plus, they offer secured cloud backups, and I've never lost a single episode. It's super easy to use, there's nothing to download, and my guests just have to click on the link and we start recording. I recently got to try their automatic post-production and it's so good. I'm a huge fan of Zencaster. If you're a podcaster or you're thinking about starting a podcast, Zencaster has a special deal for my listeners. Go to zencaster.com pricing and enter promo code K-S-E-N-I-A, all capitals, my name, to get 30% off your first three months with pro account. It includes unlimited audio and video recordings, hosting up to four guests at once, audio and video mixing, and unlimited English transcriptions. You get a 14-day trial and can always downgrade to the free account if you choose to. That's Z-E-N-C-A-S-T-R dot com forward slash pricing, promo code Xenia, all caps, or click the link in the show notes to get that 30% off. It's time to share your story. When you talked about switching to yoga music, you also said that there was this sense of not knowing what you're doing because it was so new and different. And I find that this approach, whether we actually don't know what we're doing or if we can bring it to a field that we do know, like for me, that's been social media. I've been on social media for probably close to two decades now. And I've been blogging and creating content and consulting. And I find that having approached it for the past few years from a place of, oh, I've been in this, I'm a veteran, I know this, has really robbed me from the opportunity to find new ways of expressing myself, pay attention to how people are doing it now, which is totally different from how I was doing it when I was like 15. And so as soon as I removed all of these filters of, oh, I know. And I was like, what can I learn from every piece of content I come across? And how can I approach this with new eyes and a new heart every time? And it's really changed my experience. It's a lot more joyful. It's a lot more playful. And 
it removes some of that stuck upness that I was approaching with. So for you with music, how was that experience of not knowing what you're doing, having come from musical background and having released so many albums before? Well, you know, when I started writing for yoga music, it, my mindset was just like, I don't care at that moment. But the slow realization that it was making me happy in a different way, it became clearer and clearer as I was writing the album. And it was a joy of not knowing what I was doing. It was, it was a joy of doing something that uh, initially didn't mean anything to me, but then became everything that path was so important to me because I can, I can now truly say that I don't think I've ever been happier doing music in my entire life. So that, that's almost childlike wonder of going into something and then seeing what happens. I'd lost that. And how are you seeing your music be different once you started approaching your process with that childlike wonder? What was your music like before? We understood that it was maybe a little bit grim sometimes, but in other ways, what changed? <laughs> I guess the best way to describe that, I had gone through so many different stages of music. I mean, I started out in heavy metal. Then I wanted to be Radiohead, and then I wanted to be Tom Waits. And so there's so many different stages of what I was doing, and I was trying different things, but I was so miserable all the time. I was always wanting to please something in me that I don't think it could be pleased. And, and just to want some kind of redemption, recognition and redemption for all the work I've done that people would then say, you're awesome, and then everything would be better. So when I stopped doing that because I don't like the way I write now. I don't even have, I can't, I don't have time to think about it. You know, I'll write something and I'll put it on something. I'll, I'll be like, well, I like it. I hope somebody else likes it, but then I'm already on to writing something else because you just don't know. Also, when I sing on, on these tracks, because I try to keep things in a positive, but in a real way, I try not to, to be so like, you know, life is super happy all the all the time. And in some within that, they do that better than me. I'm just more or less a, a type of person who I understand that we want to try and remain positive and have a light within us, but it doesn't always happen. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it doesn't, you know, because the idea of being in a constant state of happiness is impossible. You can find joy in your life and you can get to joy as much as possible, but you're not always going to be walking around with a smile. So when I approach lyrics and vocals, I try to approach it in a way to make me feel better about the struggles I have. So that has become another restraint that I needed because before I would always write about the worst crap in my life. It's like, well, my goal is to make other people feel worse than me. <laughs> I, you know that I mean? feels very 90s. Yeah, very much so. Very much so. But most music, if you go back 
all the way to the beginning, it's all about depressing stuff. And it's because we're, we're just kind of wired that way. But, you know, I love depressing music. I will always love depressing music. <laughs> but I also feel in, in a way to maybe with Zen that beat to give to give like a little options for myself too. But also trying to be real and be like, hey, I have bad days. You have bad days. It's like recognizing that there is this human desire well, there's a human need to sometimes experience shadow to just feel the contrast of the light. And sometimes we tend to want to go into the drama. If we don't have enough of it in our lives, we do it through music, through movies. And sometimes we can make the empowering choice to be the light and get out of the muck. And music is such a powerful way to do that. I would love you to speak about I am the light and how it came about and what the experience of creating it was like. It feels like it, it has grown bigger than, than I thought it was because it was almost like a throwaway track. I had the beginning of the album, I had the end, and I was like, I need something for, for a come down. And so I started writing that, and it's a, the simple chords, and that's just very typical me, and repeating stuff. That has always been what I did. And the simplicity on how that came together, it came together so quickly. You know, I didn't think much about it. I just blurted out the line. I just hit record and blurted out the line. I said, oh, that works. And sometimes the ones that come together really quickly are usually the better pieces when you don't think about it. You don't, don't overthink. Don't overthink. And then it was there. And I would have never, ever, ever, ever thought that that song people would grab gravitate towards never even crossed my mind and for the life of me i still don't know how that <laughs> song got so popular because when i released it late 2016 early 17 i was just okay it's there it sat it sat for almost a year it really didn't do anything i didn't think much about it i was trying different other things out at the same time <laughs> it just shot up. And Do you know what happened? Was it put on some playlist or did someone share it? Yeah, I, it, it was put on some playlists. It's like 20,000 playlists wow. now. It's definitely on a few of mine. That's great. And it's by far my most popular song. The others are sort of starting to creep in and that's wonderful to see too. And there's just no way I could even like reproduce that. Right. And it's, what's interesting is that we're talking about creative process in music, but really it applies to creative process in anything, sharing on social media, creating art, making a podcast, anything. And what I find so interesting is this journey that you're sharing of trying to emulate someone else. And then the thought still creeps in for all of us of trying to emulate what we've done before that's done well. And the universe and source is like, no, just be what you are now and be a conduit for what's present now. And I'll keep giving you ideas. Don't hold on to previous ones. And I think that's the testament to your way of creating music, which is to write all the time, not just in cycles or albums. And um, it takes courage to keep showing up, keep releasing things. And especially when your voice is on it, does it ever feel vulnerable? You know, I studied vocals when I was young. So I'm so used to, I always was a, a front man in bands. So I'm, I'm used to that vulnerability. This is a little different in terms of 
trying to utilize my voice as another instrument. I've been singing for so long that it doesn't really feel like it's a vulnerable part of me. You know, it just feels like it's just another instrument that I feel most comfortable with. Let's rewind. Take me to the moment where you knew that you were going to be a professional musician. My father was in the army. I grew up in Europe. Is that how you ended up in Germany? Yes, my, my mother's German. Yeah. And my, my father loved music, though I would play his records all the time as a kid and break them. <laughs> and I knew fairly, fairly early on that I wanted to do something with music. But there's a specific story that always is like uh, in my mind. I was in, in school in Germany. I, I, was, I went to German school and my teacher Frau Feenmounts <laughs> was her name. And she asked, she's like, well, well, you know, I want you to tell me what you want to do with your life. I don't know how old I was, like 13. I said, well, you know, I want to be a musician. And she was just like, why would you want to do that? How are you going to support your family? I realized that was the first inkling that I got, oh, this may be an uphill battle. So I knew early, early on that this is something I, I needed to do. But I didn't know how. <laughs> and how did it start unfolding? When did you start actually making and experimenting? First, I started cutting, um, making guitars out of cardboard and then like putting on concerts in my room, uh, you know, Metallica, Iron Maiden, stuff like that. And um, got my first instrument and I, I took lessons, failed horribly at it, then got Somewhere around 16, I got it into my head that I was going to sing, and I joined a, a band locally, and we never played any gigs. We rehearsed a lot, but we never played any gigs. And then I decided, well, I'm going to go to music school to learn something, and I went to music school in Los Angeles. That was culture shock for me. I wound up out there for two years, uh, learning vocals and then performing, doing my first performances, and then wound up in New York City after that. So yeah, I started creating pr uh, pretty early, and it was horrible. I'm a type of person that will make every single mistake before I make a good choice. It's interesting how from early age, there was a societal norm that came into your field of awareness of how you're going to support yourself if you're making music. And I find that in anything we do, but particularly when you're an artist of any kind, there are these societal norms that we are invited to overcome. What are some other kind of myths and norms that you've had to maybe believe at first, but then let go of to continue committing yourself to your art? Oh, God. <laughs> well, you're you're opening a big a can of worms on Let's that one. Let's go. Uh, <laughs> um, there are things I still struggle with because I was married, and, and it was partially the reason why we ended up divorcing because I still continued to do art, and I I love my ex wife. Uh, she she and I are still close. But she had a different idea of one should do with their lives. We sort of disagreed on a little bit. It's because as I was getting older, I was still making music to a point where it kind of 
hurt the, the relationship. I think we wound up blaming each other. But in the end, it was just a difference of opinion. It was nobody's fault. I think the other thing is that struggling of the idea, what, what does it mean to make it? What does it mean to be successful? Because, you know, society's eyes and in, in success is either, uh, either you are a, a superstar or you're doing something else with your time. By choosing the, the field uh, left of center, I, you sometimes have to deal with criticism all the time. And to learn how to stand firm on your convictions, I think, is a lifelong journey. Because even in terms of having relationships with people, you know, if I want to date or get married again, I have to make sure that that person not only is supportive, but also encouraging and, and also understands that this is a part of who I am. And that's not always easy to find is somebody who's just like, yeah, you know what? I love you for who you are. So uh, oftentimes you have to go through that process and putting, putting uh, yourself, your vulnerability out there. It's like, okay, this is who I am. This is, and, and I'm okay to walk away from the situation if it doesn't serve me. And I've done that. It's not always the easiest thing to do. And that's because there's a stereotype that musicians are, or, or artists in general, just any kind of artists are irresponsible that they're irresponsible and that they are bad with money and don't know how to take care of themselves or anybody else, which is completely untrue. As a funny side note on that, in terms of dating, I ran across, I, like it was a discussion, and this woman was saying that, oh yeah, you know, I just, I just keep getting screwed over by these guys. They keep ghosting me and like, and they're all like lawyers and doctors, you know what I mean? I was like, yeah, because everybody just assumes because these men have stature that they, they can't be bad guys. And I was just like, well, you know, a lot of musicians I know are, they have their, their stuff together and they're, they're living their lives honestly, but you look at them and you judge them on the outside and you go after these other guys who are, by society standards, supposed to be the gold standard, and they're just human. So I thought that was funny. Yeah, it's, it seems that something that I've been observing, that it takes almost an unreasonable amount of belief in yourself and in your art to keep going. And podcaster or like a blogger or a musician especially in the last couple of years, we're pretty much just, it's just me and my computer. And there's not that much external world connection. That's one of the reasons I love interviews because it actually takes me out and puts me in the conversation in the world. But it does take this crazy level of commitment and vision and seeing even when things from the outside aren't telling you it's all going to be fine. You're going to be taken care of. Just do your thing. It's so important to get encouragement by peers, of people, other people who are what I like to call swimming upstream. I would want to support you and to want to um, encourage you to keep going because that's what I'd want to hear. I think it's, it's, you know, no matter what you're doing, if you're becoming a, 
a massage therapist or you want to, you know, do YouTube videos or what, whatever it is, anything that is kind of slightly out of the norm, it requires a lot of, you know, steadfast, you just have to really, really put your head through the wall sometimes. And it's the other reason why I still kept doing music is I don't want the whole image and idea of musicians being this 20, 21-year-old dude like rocking out on stage. You want to show that there's more to it and there's plenty of other ways to make your mark at different stages of your life Um, because you want to be able to encourage people to continue on being themselves. I have so many friends that have have given up on whatever they wanted to do to just kind of appease uh, society, appease their family and friends, whatever it is. And I, I think it's by showing your vulnerabilities and your true colors that, that in the end, I, I hope you don't look back on life and be like, well, I kind of screwed the pooch on that because I should have been more open and honest with myself. I have friends that they will never show their, their the real sides of themselves because they fear um, persecution. And it's not just in, in what you do with your life. It's sexual orientation or things that you may be into that maybe people will laugh at you. So you just don't bother. That doesn't help anybody. Yeah, that playing small and trying to fit into a role doesn't help anyone. Yes, it's it's the whole playing not to lose. Mm. Mm-hmm. And know. not to stick out too much because there's yeah. a risk with that. Yeah. I find that the only definition of success that matters is the one we create ourselves. So my question to you, Ryan, is, if you had to create your own definition for success for your self-expression in the world, what is it? What does it look like? What does it feel like? I have to sometimes um, step back and uh, look at what I've done up until now. And sometimes we are our own worst critics. 100%. You know, okay, say something, you just find out that you're terminally ill, and then you look back and say, did I live life the right way? You know, and I would have to say that in terms of success, it's already been a success. Yeah, I, I would like to been that rock star when I was 20, but I never ever actually look back at it and go like, oh, I should have, if I only could do that now, I don't want to be that guy now. The weird thing you find out about, about musicians and a lot of them just flame out really, really quickly. Most artists don't put more than like two, three albums out and they're gone. You don't see that when you're that age. The longevity that I've been doing this is just okay. You know, I may have not hit the pinnacle of financial success, but I'm able to set up my life. I'm not in debt you know, have a roof over my head. And, and your cat's heads. <laughs> yeah, my cat's head. Uh, and as you can see right there. If you're watching um, us on video, there's a kitty cat in the back. <laughs> yes. So I have friends, I'm healthy, I can support myself. I don't think I've actually ever wanted more in that sense. I can afford to do things in life that a lot of other people can't do. So 
I would probably say yes. I've already had a success. That doesn't mean I'm not striving to reach certain goals and even artistically to do more things. I feel like, well, this is where the childlike wonder still comes in. It's like, what else can I do? Be cool to play live and just have projections. And there's still like cool things that I would like to do. Yeah, I'm sensing such peace in you acknowledging yourself in the present moment and recognizing all of the things that all of the choices you've made to set you up to be able to do what you do now. And I agree with you. It can be super fun and playful and expansive to hold a vision for what's next and where we want to go. So if you feel like it, I'd love to invite you to share what some of these expansive, crazy out there dreams are and how everyone listening and me can support you and witness you in that. I haven't really played live in couple years now. And so one of the things that I'm really wanting to do is, okay, now I've written all these songs over, over the years, it would be kind of cool to start playing live again. But I didn't want to play live in, in a traditional manner. And I saw uh, a couple years ago, I saw East Forest, he started doing these gigs in around where he would go in the yoga studio and set up in the middle and people would sit around him uh, on yoga mats and they would write out their intentions and he would take them on a journey. I was like, that's really, really cool. I, I really love this idea because, you know, I was playing yoga studios as sort of background music for, for yoga classes. And I, and I felt like, well, is there any way I can put the music, give people a different type of journey? And so I, I was just like, for the last couple of years, I was just thinking, like, how can I do this? And my first thought was, well, I think I need to just concentrate online, grow Zen that beat to a point where people will maybe then start asking you, it's like, oh, how can we do this? You know, rather than trying to approach people cold. So my thought was then, okay, if I can find ways to project things on the walls to aid in that journey. I've always, always wanted to work with a VJ, like a visual person who then does the same things with projections that I do with the music. He or she would do it live to create this sort of whole picture for the, you know, your eyes and the ears and like everything that just comes together. And I always wanted to do some kind of when the time is right, that would be, a, be awesome to do. And who knows, Nike could be an awesome partner in doing that around the world. You never know. I think the first things first would be to just continue to do what I'm doing, just keep writing, keep uh, putting music out there. And as things grow, I'm so thankful that has happened over the last two, three months. My Spotify has grown so exponentially, something like 500%. As things progress like this, I, it allows me to start thinking uh, about other things I want to do. When you started writing that music for yoga, was that your introduction to the world of yoga and meditation, or were you already into it? A little bit of both. I mean, I had been to yoga classes. I had tried meditation, but it was... In a way, it was a formal introduction to the community. It's not something I really thought about on a, on a regular basis. I'm now in, I go to yoga. I'm not like off and on with meditation. 
there'll be like six months where I'm just like getting up every morning and then just plopping down and trying to meditate. And then, then there will be another six months where I totally forget about it. And then you discover and you're like, what have I been up to? Why have I not been meditating? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's like, I don't have any time for that. And it's like, of course, you right. don't. You know, going back to, to yoga, going back to classes, like in-person classes was like, I'm so glad I started doing that again. Because when you do it at home, you just kind of like, yeah, I'm done. <laughs> I'm done. I just don't feel like it today. <laughs> yes. But you're, you've been doing this for five minutes. <laughs> do you have any rituals around your creative process? Do you light incense or say a prayer or anything like that? No. No, I, I don't have any rituals. My ritual is uh, sitting down every day. It's just no matter what happens, I might write just a piece of junk today, is ju but just to sit down and write. That's the ritual. It's, it's not this um, sort of celebration of the arts. It's more or less of just doing it. You know, if you get up and go for a run every day to keep yourself healthy, exercising the muscle. And what if you sit down and you just are not feeling it at all? Which happens a lot. Because <laughs> <laughs> if we all wait for inspiration, we'll, we'll, never, we'll never do anything. It happens a lot. Sometimes I'll listen to some music that I really like and use whatever they have as a jump off point. Like for instance, I really like abba i love abba they have some some of the greatest chord progressions ever but i'll take some of those chord progressions and be like okay this is a really cool chord progression let's invert it or let's throw out this chord and put that chord in and then that'll be like the jump off point and by the end of it what started out as something that i i was influenced by it sounds nothing like it by the end of it because then my own ideas start taking over. Chord progressions are a dime a dozen. Like everybody knows that certain chord progressions are very familiar to people. We use them over and over again. It doesn't matter if it's ABBA or Taylor Swift. It's that familiarity that people like that makes hits. But essentially, it's the same chord progressions that have been in pop music for the last 50 years. Then if I'm not feeling it, I'll just go like, well, let me listen to this Fleetwood Mac song and see what they did and then just go from there. And then two hours later, I have a new song. Do you ever collaborate with other artists on vocals or music? I do. I oftentimes collaborate with Songs of Eden. He's an inspiration to me. He's from Sweden. He just does. As the Swedes do, they do everything well. <laughs> he just does everything well. He does, he does YouTube well. He does TikTok well. He does, you know, he's a good songwriter. And occasionally we, we collaborate. I've collaborated with meditation experts. I've collaborated with some yogis. I will collaborate with people and, and sometimes it's really fun to get other people's perspectives. Um, I have a friend, Alok, who's Indian. He plays a sitar and we've collaborated on a couple songs and he sings too. And he sings in Hindu and it's pretty cool stuff. And I really dig when he plays on these. We've known each other for a long time too. And he's a great sitar player. That sounds fun. Is that on your Spotify? 
Yeah, there, we have two tracks that we put out maybe a year and a half ago. We'll probably collaborate eventually again. Now, you mentioned social media a couple of times, and I know you have TikTok. I'm curious, what is your relationship with social media and how have you seen people discover you through it? It impact people discovering you on Spotify. Tell me what your status with social media is. I have a love-hate relationship with social media. Like most artists? Yes, because um, I have such a hard time figuring out how I fit in this area because I, I would consider myself more of an introvert than an extrovert. And in our society, ex extroverts win, <laughs> you know, because they're, you know, they'll put themselves out there and do like the craziest things to get a, a attention. And then when you're more of an introvert, it's like, I, I don't know, man, 15 seconds to, to grab somebody's interest. Let's, let's have a conversation, <laughs> you know. Instagram was basically where I started the stuff on. In the beginning, when I started Instagram, I, I started writing small, like little one minute pieces for yogis. It's like, hey, you know, I'll write a piece for you and you just put it on yours and tag me in it. That was interesting in, in a way. What I realized about the Instagram algorithm versus me being a musician, Instagram is visual. So whenever I would post something with the yogi and my music, it would get a lot of views, but it would get the views because the yogis, you know, were getting all the attention. And I was like, well, how can I just be myself and approach this in a way that will further what I do? And that was, has always been the question about, about Instagram. And then, then when everybody migrated to TikTok, I was like, well, maybe I can just put up music and just put some inspirational quotes there and maybe people will gravitate towards it. But it's just like, I, I always feel like there are times where I just want to crawl into my little hole and just be like, I don't want to do this anymore. But then there are other times where I run through six months where I'm inspired by trying different things. It's just, I never felt a hundred percent that I found my voice in social media, even Facebook. I learned how to, how to do Facebook ads and was able to be like, oh, I'll just do ads and get 40,000 followers. But they didn't, they're not really there. So I kind of stopped doing that. You know, if you're open to it, there's an idea I have for you. Oh, wonderful. First thing that comes to mind, there's this viral TikTok account. It's from Russia where this cat owner all they do is they post short videos of their cat sitting at a table next to a fancy meal and a glass of wine or beer. Every day it's different. Have you seen it? No, no, but but send it to me so I can see it. To like all of this epic 80s and 90s hits. And all it is is this amazing cat just sitting there to the music and there's like disco lights moving and, and the food in front of it. And it's just <laughs> hilarious. And the presence of this cat is so magnetizing and the music selection is awesome. So I think, you know, a lot of the times when we think about growth on social media, we tend to kind of listen to marketing ideas, which seem very templated and a lot of the times archaic. But the truth is no one has ever just copied what someone else did and has gotten success from that. So there's always like an element of, yes, this, and like, what's my twist on it that will make a unique combination of several things that creates my own signature. 
And I wouldn't totally agree that everyone's migrated to TikTok. I think people want to, but they still do Instagram as their primary platform because that's just where most people still are. But something that I would do if I were you is I would take I Am The Light because you already know people love that song and the more people discover it, the more all your other music will grow and just commit to creating five or 10 Instagram reels because Instagram reels is where it's at right now, the short form video People are discovering a lot of new content and accounts through that and just create 15 to seconds to one minute reels with that song. And it doesn't even have to be you. I mean, it could be you doing yoga for 15 seconds. It could be you meditating for 15 seconds, or it could literally be just beautiful light hitting corner in your room or beautiful light hitting your cat. It could be anything. So coming up with some scenes that evoke some sort of emotion, or I'm seeing a Buddha behind you. Maybe it's just a Buddha with incense right in front of it. And it's kind of this oasis of people taking a breath and a chance for them to hear your music, to take it in with the invitation through the visual prompts too, but that not being too distracting. And once you start seeding that and people start discovering that and saving the sound, using it themselves, I've seen so much magic happen on TikTok and Instagram just because someone uses the sound and then it spreads like wildfire and everything else takes off for the musician. You know, this is interesting that you say that because in a way that's sort of what I've been thinking of, like I thought maybe there's just find ways to get like a visual and and give people a pause rather than like blah, 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 bam, 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 more stuff. It's funny that you've now mentioned that because the whole time I, I was thinking like, well, maybe I'd do the approach and feature the music with some kind of visual and say, stop, listen, or stop and just take a breath. That is really cool. I had just become so enamored with YouTube over the last couple of years because the idea of YouTube seemed more organic than the other social media. Depends on whose channel you look at. <laughs> yes, that is very true. But, you know, that's, that's why I think Instagram and TikTok, I just kind of was like, well... I know or started learning how to massage the algorithm in YouTube a little bit better than uh, Instagram. I think YouTube is still the most incredible social media platform for monetization. That said, TikTok and Instagram, especially TikTok, are amazing discovery mechanisms that end up pushing people out to YouTube. And something else that I've seen musicians do successfully on TikTok that I find interesting is, let's say a 30 second video of you standing there, just doing nothing, you don't have to talk. And then there's text on top that appears saying, I was a musician, I released 20 albums, I achieved burnout, just like your story condensed very short. And then at the very end, it says, I'm new to TikTok, I'm not sure what I'm doing. And say, and by the way, this is my song playing. And so that immediately is like, wait, what? This song? I got to turn up the sound and watch it again. And because it creates this loop of people wanting to rewatch and actually like getting engaged in your honest story instead of the show that's being put on, I found that to be one of the coolest and most engaging ways to share your work as a musician on TikTok. That's really, really interesting. And it's, it seems the most honest way, at least for somebody like me to do it. I mean, there are other people who can just become these big characters. And I was like, there's just no way. <laughs> there's just no way. And this is, a, this is also why I failed as a front man in bands, because it was like acting to me. It's like, oh, oh my God, 
I have to be this larger than life character and I'm just not. Yeah. And there's uh, a composer whose name is Danilo Stankevich. Several of his, uh, I guess you call them scores, they went viral on TikTok, but he wasn't on TikTok and it wasn't getting attributed to him in any way. What he did is he jumped on TikTok a little bit later on, maybe like a year after it blew up. And he did a post of him holding up signs. Hey, you know, I'm a composer. My song went viral. I never got the credit. I'm now on TikTok, you know, support me in whatever way that felt natural to him to make that request. And that ended up going completely viral as well. On TikTok, there's a particular sense of People, when they hear something like this, they actually want to support the artist and the creator and they become like this army. They're going to go with you to the end of the world to support you. And it's really cool. But for that to happen, I find that we have to show up honestly and we have to just be like, you know, this is what I am. This is what I'm doing. I'm not 100% sure what I'm doing. But if you feel resonant with my music, if you like it, go download or support it. If any of that resonates, I would love to see you experiment with some of those things. Yeah. I actually will do that because, uh, again, you're kind of like finishing a thought that I started in my head. And I think that's so cool. It's starting to feel more honest to me. And that's the one thing I wanted to, to really do is show up in an honest way on these, have it be an extension of myself rather than trying to placate. Yes. Cheers to that. You know, the placating part, I would go through different stages, especially on Instagram, where I was like, I'll try this and then I'll try that and maybe see if I can do yoga on to trick the algorithm. And that none of that made sense to me. Instagram always over tricks you. Yes. Oh, my God. And you spend so much time trying to like listen to different people. And then you go down the rabbit hole of YouTube. This is how you get followers and it's just so consuming just doing the social media can be a full-time job take away from your music yeah 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 and i assume that you know you've been down that road (laughs) that is what i do that's what i choose to do it comes super naturally to me and i love all of it for me it is a full-time job telling stories capturing supporting others and doing that for most people that is not the number one choice to do that full-time and I'm really like a big advocate for people not spending more time than they need to on social media and being honest because that just is such a relief. It gives you back your life force energy to do what you're meant to do instead of trying to figure out all the hacks and algorithms. Yes, very much so. So let me ask you in terms of growth, did you try doing different things like uh, Instagram ads or is everything organic on your part? How did you learn how to basically find your voice on Instagram? I didn't check check out your TikTok. I checked out your Instagram. And it seems very honest to me. Thanks. Yeah. So the thing is, if I were to tell you what I did when I got on Instagram and grew, it would be completely different how things work now. So it wouldn't really apply anymore. I first got on Instagram for a social media fashion job that I had. And then I got my own personal Instagram where I was sharing outfits and food and I was getting into acai bowls. And I noticed that acai bowls were getting way more engagement in like 2012 than anything else I was posting. 2012. Wow. Yeah. (laughs) And so I was like, you know what? I heard a voice in meditation say, create a separate account for just your breakfasts. So I started posting my breakfast. I created this account called Breakfast Criminals. I was going through a heartbreak and I got myself this red ceramic heart-shaped bowl where I would make my acai bowls. So it was like very beautiful and bright. 
And it just took off. It became like this movement of self-love and nourishment. I started collaborating with brands and I ended up leaving my job in fashion to do that full time. And I started a wellness blog to go with it. And I worked with, you know, Google and Vitamix and Adidas and different global brands through that. Now, social media world and influencer world, being an artist on social media is so different because it is so much more saturated. But also, I don't want to diminish that opportunity is still huge because more people are on social media. Once you hit, you really hit, you reach a lot of people. All of the followers you see on my Instagram account, yes, some of them are newer from my podcast, from my conscious social media work, which is something I've been doing less than the wellness and food stuff. But a lot of them, majority of them come from those days when I was doing something that I no longer talk about that much anymore. So the where I've seen the most growth in the more recent now time is TikTok. I got on TikTok pretty early, which isn't to say it's too late, not at all. But I had a few videos that went bonkers viral on a variety of different topics from me and my husband moving to a tiny cabin in the forest to him building igloo on our property in the middle of winter to just like a random video of an alpaca at a farm chewing to the beat of a song got 55 million views. That's hilarious. And so, you know, there's a lot of various things that kind of popped up and brought me hundreds of thousands of followers. And what I'm noticing now is, yes, having a big amount of followers can be used as a currency to work with brands and to make an impression. But at the same time, some of these people followed me for something that I don't really want to talk about or post about. So when I post something new, there will be a lot of unfollowers. And I think that's something people don't talk about very much going through changes and transition of content on social media and also your followers going through their own transitions and no longer resonating with what you were sharing before. So what I'm noticing is just consistency, the way that you show up to create music, showing up in the same way on social media, being honest, experimenting with different things, and doing short form video are the things that make the most difference on social media nowadays. And I don't have experience. I mean, I've tried like a little ad here and there for a specific project on Instagram and Facebook, but I never figured it out. I don't know why they make it so complicated. So everything that I did has always been organic. There's not really been any ads. In the beginning, a lot of growth would come from other bloggers mentioning me. I would get together with another blogger. We would do something together and we would tag each other. And I find that still, you know, for anyone in the creative field, that's a great way to discover. When anyone appears on my podcast, I typically make all of these graphics and sometimes reels and offer it to my guests so that when they share it, their people have a chance to discover me and possibly go deeper with me. So cross-promoting in natural ways like that, I think that was like five things. <laughs> you know, I realized a couple things. I tried to grow my Spotify through Instagram. In the beginning, two years ago, it did really well. But then I realized the same thing. It got a lot of people on board to my Spotify, like they would follow me. But they didn't really listen to the music. It wasn't until, and it's just kind of the same way that you're talking, that I started consistently releasing music and just putting it out there that then the algorithm started pushing me more, you know? And the simplest thing was to just 
show up and just keep releasing music every two weeks or there was a uh, stretch where I almost did every week something and you don't promote everything the same way but what you do is you promote the ones that you feel uh, can do but you never know like you said yeah you never know but oftentimes it's just showing up I show up on on YouTube at least two to three times a week uh, either post a playlist or maybe a song or a, a meditation track so I, I try to show up as consistent as possible. I used to do that with Instagram, but then I got burnout. Yeah, you know, honestly, I think in 2022, I'm really feeling that consistency overall of the hacks is going to be the key. My husband is an artist who has a full-time job in digital marketing, has his own agency, and he never really shared his art. And then we did an experiment where for 11 days, we shared his art every single day. And that was such an incredible springboard for him to being seen and getting into that flow of sh sharing his process, even when work is not finished, that I got the message from that to invite my community to do a challenge together where I'm holding space for us starting February 2nd, 2022, to share for 11 days every single day on your chosen platform. It can be Instagram, it can be TikTok, it can be YouTube, whatever it is. So I'm actually releasing a solo episode 186, where I invite people to do that. I invite you to do that if you're called to join us. It's just going to be me posting daily Instagrams along with everyone, kind of like being that cheerleader, motivating you, stick to it, despite the algorithm, share your heart, share your medicine. And I think getting into that flow of consistency also gets us out of overthinking, gets us into the flow of showing up and being that conduit, bringing us full circle to where we started the conversation. I did something like that. And I quit halfway through it on YouTube, not even halfway. I quit like seven days into it. I, I was going to release a song every day for 30 days, just one song. And I was just like, ah, this isn't working after seven days and then stopped it. And then I got a couple of DMs, dude, why did you stop it? And I was like, oh, I should have kept going because I, I didn't see the end. I didn't see the forest from the trees. You know, I mean, I thought, well, it's not working right away. Then, you know, who knows? Maybe in three weeks it would have caught on. So I think I'm going to do it again. And, you know, a lot of the times we think no one's watching, but so many people are watching. I get messages from people saying, hey, I followed you seven years ago and I've watched everything you do and you've moved me so much, but I've never messaged you. We just never know. Yeah, and that was a stupid move on my part. But but the good thing is like I can do it again. Yep, you know? Exactly. All right. Consistency is our motto for 2022. Is there anything else, Ryan, that I didn't ask you about that you feel called to share with me and the listeners? One of the main themes of your uh, podcast and what you were talking about is we need to show up in our real way to show that we're all different. We're all unique and we're all weird and that's a good thing and we need to show that more we need to show that and i think the pandemic has been interesting in that ways you're seeing more and more people going like yeah I, i'm not gonna do this anymore because it's not me and i think you know when i first started on down this road of doing music just in general the amount of resistance I got. And then when you get older, the, the resistance becomes more because, because people quit, people stop. 
I think we will all be better served if, if people actually just tap into their real selves and be, become more open about it. I just hope that like us talking here is a little bit of an inspiration to people who maybe feel like they don't have a platform or they don't have the courage to take a step in the direction they really want to go. And even if we just have one person say, you know what, I'm going to do this. You know? Yes. And that was our TikTok and Instagram highlight content right there. <laughs> That'd be awesome. But it's, 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 it's awesome talking to you, by the way. It's Thank so you. Cool. It's, it's my pleasure. And my <laughs> intention always is that it's a conversation that is recorded not for listeners only, but also moves something within both of us. There's some alchemy that occurs, some remembrance that occurs, and I feel that way as well. So thank you so much for doing what you do for this conversation. And I'm excited to see what you do on all of the social media platforms and with your music. Yes, yes. You actually gave me a lot of inspiration. And if you can send me those links, that would be awesome because it'd just be something a little different than going down the rabbit hole of TikTok and the <laughs> like while you're sitting in bed. It's like, why am I watching these horrible dances? <laughs> I know it's crazy. Yeah, I'll send you those links and I'll also put them in the show notes for anyone else listening and needing to see the cat. Yeah, that's awesome. That's so cool. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. If you're moved by what was shared in this episode and not sure how to take action, start by writing it down. When we notice abundance and clarity in all shapes and forms and honor it, it grows. And if you're called to share the podcast with someone who you know is ready to receive it, follow that. Find all episodes, show notes, and current offerings on XeniaBrief.com. Subscribe to Xenia Brief Podcast on Apple Podcasts, leave a rating and a review, and take one deep breath into the knowing that's already within you. <laughs>